everybody. He's Jed. I'm Robert. She's Erica. No, wait, that ain't it. He's Matt. I'm Andy. She's Tony. No, that ain't it either. We may be on the edge of World War III, but we ain't the Wolverines. We're Vikings reporting through a Ted Drewster. How are you? Wolverines! <laughs> Wolverines! Show was not popular in Columbus. Episode, <laughs> Episode 54 today, Ted. 54? Fred McNeil's number. Red Dawn. Red Dawn. How about Red Dawn, dude? Kind of a very timely movie, considering the, the world events going on right now. Would, would, would yeah. You say? Yeah. Very telling to what's going on. Like Pink Floyd. Hey, Russia, leave Ukraine alone. Come on. <laughs> Need to write a song about that. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good tonight. I'm living on the edge of denial and suppressed rage. Dad, how you doing? What is this thing? What is it? Who's coming after us? I'm living on the edge of the Mississippi, not the Nile, but that's me. Red Dawn with Pat Swayze, Charlie Sheen, Jennifer yeah. Grey. Yeah. Lee Thompson. Lee Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. He was in it. C. C. Thomas, Thomas Howell. Howell. Powers Booth. I found out tonight from Terrence that C. Thomas Howell was Pony Boy. I've never seen that movie either. <laughs> you you haven't seen The Outsiders? I have not seen The Outsiders. <laughs> oh, stay gold, Pony Boy. Stay gold. Stay gold, Pony Boy. that and all the other movies you talked about I missed in the 80s makes you wonder what I was doing in the 80s. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. I was in high school when this movie came out and for, for Generation X this was the ultimate, yeah the Russians better not invade because this is what I'll do to them <laughs> if they get here movie for everybody. We all talk that smack. Every single one of us, oh I'd mess up some Russians. You better, you better not you better not try to take over Columbus, Ohio. It became the mantra for everybody, Ted? What, Wolverines? No, it didn't. You liked it every time they yelled at Wolverines. Hey, that's stupid. Wolverines! It bugged you a little bit, didn't it? More than a little bit. See, Thomas Howell said he still hears it five or ten times a year when he's walking through the airport. Does he really? Somebody will yell. <laughs> he said he hears it a lot on Twitter because in the airport he just, like, ignores them. So he says, when somebody says it to me on Twitter, I always have to... Type out Wolverine with exclamation points. I can't just not say anything. Yeah. Toonses, were you a big fan of Red Dawn? Or was that like a little bit before your time? You know, I remember seeing it, but I don't really remember it. I remember liking it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I need to rewatch it. Definitely. It was like one of those movies that are so bad, it's good. I kind of think. You know, like like Roadhouse. You know, another great Patrick Swayze movie. The name is Dollar. It's like so bad, it's good. It's like a cult classic, an underground classic, whatever. You know, we, last week when we talked about The Breakfast Club, it was like the defining movie of our generation. Red Dawn was like the, we're going to so kick the Russians' ass if we ever go to war kind of movie for my generation. I don't know. Didn't it come out about the same time as Breakfast Club? Real close, yeah. I mean, 84, 85 time frame, yeah. Everybody was coming out with like Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Indiana Jones, and then this came out, it was like more on the violent side. And, like, the thing was, you know, for, for you millennials and, and Generation Z and the, and the kids born whenever who are kind of living under the threat and fear of World War III, dude, we grew up with it, man. It was like the middle of the Cold War. And, like, the, the Russians and the Americans were squaring off every day. Well, boys, I reckon this is it. Nuclear combat toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Ruskies. I hope nothing happens. I really don't. Go see Red Dawn, though. That was a good movie. 
Charlie Sheen was in that movie? The late, great Patrick Swayze. The late, I think Powers Booth is the late, great Powers Booth. Powers Booth did a love scene with that Leah Thompson. And they decided not to air it because he was so much older than her. She went to the director and said, can I do the love scene again? She fell in love with Powers Booth during that. I mean, the guy must be magic. Yes, she loved him. Really? And she said, I think we should keep it in the movie. And they went, no, we're going to pull that out. It was one of the parts they yanked out of the movie. <laughs> great Powers Booth was that movie. What a great film. Great film. Look. The odds, I was outnumbered five to one. I got four. How'd you get yourself shot down, Colonel? It was five to one. I got four. <laughs> <laughs> Swayze was kind of in charge of the rest of the group during yeah. production too. Jennifer yeah. Grey couldn't stand him. She hated. Oh, really? She hated him until she got shot. They did that scene where he was holding her when she got shot. Then they became friends. I guess the touching moments of, of movies will be. And then they went on to do that dirty dancing. So nobody puts baby in the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> Nobody. Shout out to Patrick Swayze. Rest in peace. Buddy. Nobody puts the Wolverines in the corner. That's right. Wolverines. We're gonna yell out the whole show oh today. God. Just don't. What do we got going for Vikings? Wait, wait, wait. What wait. I, hear? I hear something. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am cooler than you are. But what, what do I say next? So why don't you? Fix your little red star wagon. Try to get I'm cooler than you are. So why don't you fix your little problem and light this episode 54 candle? He's right. Light that commie candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. All right, I'm cooler than you are. Why don't you fix your little problems and light this candle? He's right. Let's light this candle. He surely is. Light the candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Episode 54 is underway. We got a great show ahead of you. We're going to talk some Vikings news with the combine going on, whether it finishes or not. And we all get blown up because of World War III. Who knows? We got the wide receiver position we're going to talk about tonight, which I'm particularly excited about because when you see Drew's big board, you'll understand why. As always, we're going to go over the guys on the roster. We're going to talk about potential Vikings free agents they should or shouldn't bring back. We've got regular free agents, and then we've got the draft, and we'll get to Drew's big board. And then we've got some great trivia again tonight, and then that's what we'll wrap the show up with. So, yeah. This is wide receiver show, then. This is the wide receivers. How was that Vegas run? You just got back from Vegas. Yeah, went out, spent the weekend out in Vegas. See our grandson. Our daughter was uh, on a trip. She took a little trip, so we went out there, spent some time, some quality time with him. Had a good time. Taught him how to play blackjack in the casino. No, I didn't. I'm kidding. He didn't do that. Yeah, we had a good time. We... Went out, we went and saw this thing called Meow Wolf in Vegas, which is pretty cool. Area 15, Meow Wolf. It's like kind of the attraction du jour out there right now. I saw Meow Wolf in Vegas. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Tell you about that show. What they were He's doing. eight. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you had a good time. Glad you're back. Yeah, yeah. And then we went out to Red Rock Canyon, did some hiking out there. It was a lot of fun. But I'll tell you what was not fun, Drew Bunting. You know what was not fun? It was not fun. The last two years of Minnesota Vikings football. It was like pulling oh. teeth watching that team play. I really don't like looking back on everything that went wrong, but it kind of points to how different a direction the Vikings have gone. So bear with me here for a second. 
it was reported in the athletic by great Vikings beat writer, Chad Graff and, and repeated. I think the, the tweet we're putting up is from score North, but this last season, former Vikings head coach, Mike Zimmer complained about Kirk cousins in staff meetings saying, you know, he didn't make the big plays. He didn't take the chances, whatever the term was. You know, it seemed kind of obvious for the last couple of years, there was a disconnect between Kirk and Mike Zimmer. What are your thoughts on that whole thing? You know, back when they signed Kirk Cousins, they had that meeting with all the executives, mm-hmm. the owners and Spielman and Zimmer and a few other suit and ties. And they said, we're going to vote on Kirk Cousins, see if we're going to sign him. And we have to have a 10 for 10 vote. If we don't get a 10 for 10, we're not going to sign him and go a different direction. Mike Zimmer's vote was one of the 10. That's it. You voted for him. I don't understand it at this point. I don't either. You can't go back once you voted him in. He should have said something then. The thing that gets me, and it's it's one thing for us fans to complain about Kirk and saying, you know, he doesn't make, what was it he said? Winning play, doesn't make enough winning plays for Chad Graff at the Athletic. And it's one thing for us as fans to, debate Kirk on social media and when we're talking, sitting at a bar, having a beer with our buddies or whatever. But I would think if you're the head coach and you have this expensive quarterback who I I think we would all agree is a good quarterback, would you not agree he's at least a good quarterback? No, he is. He is. Okay. Okay. That instead of complaining about what he doesn't do, figure out what he does do well and develop a game plan around that. And it just feels like Mike Zimmer and the Vikings staff didn't do that and just were content to complain and play the victim. Yeah, that's a great point. He doesn't mention anything about that end of it, though, does he? No. The fact that they never built a good pass-protecting offensive line in front of him, they didn't mention any of that. Don't mention any of that stuff. And I wonder, you know, if you could get Kirk alone in a room off the record just to say, hey, man, what do you think? You know what he'd say? Zimmer, shut your dime hole, because if I want any lip from you, I'll scrape it off my zipper. That's what he'd say to him. Or or how about the defensive guru, instead of complaining about the quarterback, who I think in 2021 made enough plays to win the Vikings more games than they did win. I would put a lot of 2021's failures, even 2020 to some extent. I, I think it was a lot more even between Kirk and the defense in 2020. But there were, what, four or five drives that Kirk took the Vikings down and by rights, if the Vikings defense holds for like 45 seconds, they win a game. How about Mike being a little bit more introspective about how bad his defense was these last two years? That's right. That's exactly right. There's a lot of times he gave the Vikings the lead and then they gave it right back. Lost yeah. The game. I would argue he did that more in 2021 than he did the first three years as Vikings quarterback. Maybe not combined, but it was a lot more consistently good play at the end of the game from Kirk Cousins than I think we've seen in the previous three years. And I think everything that you're speaking to, the coaching staff not getting the right thing out of Kirk Cousins or getting as much out of him as they could, I think that's what a lot of people are saying now. The reason for using Cousins now is that this coaching staff will get the right stuff out of Cousins. But I'm on both sides of it, Ted. You know, Cousins, he, need, he didn't have a good enough team in Washington. That was the reason. Gets to Minnesota. Doesn't have a good enough line. Then the next year, it didn't have this. You need to take care. It's always something. Maybe this coaching staff can get more out of it again. But here we go with another excuse. Bottom line is, you got to win games. You got to get back to the playoffs. So, yes. I have a lot more faith in Wes Phillips and Kevin O'Connell than I do in Clint Kubiak and Poopy Bridges McGillicuddy. 
what's going to happen with Cousins? Are they keeping Cousins? We've kind of talked about Kirk, and they, they either have to pay him or find somebody that will be willing to trade for him. And if Kirk's not willing to sign an extension and is determined to play out and go to free agency, then I don't know if, if I'm a team looking for a quarterback, I would not want to give up a lot for a guy that would essentially be a one-year rental. I heard a word today about an hour ago that no team has caught, this is according to, to the Packers, no team has contacted Green Bay about a trade for Aaron Rodgers. None. Well, that's because everybody thinks Aaron Rodgers is going to stay in Green Bay now. Yeah. You know, we talked about the disconnect between Kirk and Zimmer, and I want to put up two pictures. Do you remember, Drew, when the Vikings played that stinker of a game at home against Detroit, but they ended up winning the game? One of those moments we talked about earlier, the Lions went ahead with like under a minute to go. Kirk made three huge plays, got the Vikings within field goal range, and then Greg Joseph kicked the field goal right. to win the game as time expired. And do you remember on the sideline, it looked like, Kirk and Mike Zimmer were getting ready to celebrate and like maybe he Kirk kind of surprised Zim and he just got all kind of weird. You remember, you know what I'm talking about, right? We're putting that picture up on the screen. And people thought, people thought, are they gonna start throwing hands? It's one of the best memories of last season. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if there's not more to that. Like it really was like a F you, look at me, F you, like they just old man, old man yells at the clouds. Rah! All that hate's gonna burn you up, kid. Keeps me warm. <laughs> I don't know, man. Wolverines! <laughs> I think it was. I think there was something into that. I mean, they tried to play it down or whatever. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, I remember us talking about it in the live show with Chris Kate. Yeah. We yeah. went on that live show after that Lions game, and we all kind of laughed about it. But I think Cousins was messing with him a little bit. I think Cousins kind of knows. Cousins is a pretty smart guy. He comes off as uh, Dudley Do-Right with the big grin. Wrote Dudley Do-Right of the Mounties. Lonely defender of justice and fair play. Handsome, brave, daring, and hopelessly lost. I think he messed with him because he knew that Zimmer didn't care for him much. <laughs> the more I hear about what happened in the Vikings internally in the last couple of years, and the more I see that picture, the more I think there was something more adversarial to that moment than they let on it at the time can i say one thing sure all what's gone on with with kirk cousins since he's been here you notice what he doesn't do he catches a lot of flack now that we see offensively that the vikings were just a soup sandwich has kirk cousins the last two years when all that was happening was he saying this offense is ridiculous was he ripping on kubiak or ripping on zimmer he didn't do any of that no he really didn't he just played football with his teammates and tried to win games that i respect for the guy now we've got that picture we've got that 2021 image of the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Let's put up this picture. Just last week, I think it was, new Vikings GM Quasi Adolfo Mensa and new head coach Kevin O'Connell were seen kind of hanging out, just chilling at a Minnesota Timberwolves NBA game. And mad credit to the GM Adolfo Mensa wearing a Prince t-shirt to a Timberwolves game. You want Minnesota to fall in love, baby. You wear a Prince t-shirt and let yourself... <laughs> have a picture taken in it because Rick Spielman, I think slept in a suit and tie. I never saw pictures of Rick Spielman, not wearing a suit and tie and Adolfo Mensa drinking a beer, chilling at the Wolves game with my new homeboy, Kevin O'Connell wearing a print shirt. What, what does that send off compared to the other picture that we were just talking about? Completely different, Ted. 180 off on the right foot, completely different than Zimmer and Spielman. And when you listen to Mensa talking in his press conference today, he talked about this, like, focus of friends group. He had a term for it. 
where you can have good people around you, but you can also have friends and good people around you. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's what he's saying is that old saying of, oh, this guy's a dick, but he's a great coach. We can't get along. We hate each other, but we work well together. Yeah. Sooner or later, that come back to bite you. Yep. He just seems like a really sharp guy. But seeing him at that basketball game was like, it seemed really real. And it seemed like really a fresh start. It's a good photo. Yeah. And that line he said was, you know, guys are not only your friends, but if you take yourself out of the equation and put all those guys that you consider your friends in the same room, they'll all become friends. That's how well, you know, you get along. And it is such a different approach. And he had some interesting things to say about Kirk, about Daniel Hunter. Really don't want to get into it other than this. I, I tweeted this out about, you know, Adolfo Mensa said some good things about a couple players. And to me, the bottom line is, if you are a guy or gal that thinks Kirk Cousins is the right quarterback for the Vikings, then what you heard from Quasi Adolfo Mensa today convinces you that Kirk will be the quarterback for the Vikings in 2022 and probably beyond. Conversely, if you think the Vikings should move on from Kirk, what you heard today from Quasi Adolfo Mensa, you come away convinced that the Vikings are moving on from Kirk in 2022. They're going to trade him. Sure. Overall, that whole press conference, it was night and day from the Rick Spielman. Rick Spielman was the used car salesman field. He was. That's a great, that is a great description of him these last few years. Yes. Didn't it seem like every time he gave a press conference, he was trying to sell you something? He's the guy that stood in front of the town telling them that the radioactive waste won't hurt your family. Go out and play. He seems like that type of guy. Did you ever see the movie Used Cars with Kurt Russell? No. Oh, he's he's the Kurt Russell character in that movie. (laughs) Hi there. I got to see it now. That was 80s too, wasn't it? Early 80s. A little bit earlier than that, but yeah, it, it's right around that time. But yeah, that's, man, that's a great description of, of Spielman. He used car sales. I swore off his movies when I was 14 and he stole Goldie Hawn from me. Wolverines! <laughs> Just feels so much different. He seems competent. He seems real. And he seems like nothing is staged with his answers. And I just, as I'm watching it, I'm just thinking, this this is the right guy for the job. Yeah, when you watch that interview or listen to the interview, it's on the Vikings website. I don't think he gave away any of the strategy. Because he didn't talk about strategy doesn't mean the Vikings aren't dialed in on what they want to do. I, I think they very much are dialed in on what they want to do. He talked about stuff GMs don't normally talk about, like, you know, all this and all that. But they were talking about the different types of tests, like the Wonderlick test and a couple other tests. I can't remember the names of. We try to get these guys into a real world situation. And how would you react to this? And How would you do that? And, and, and how they approach life. It's a much different way of looking at football prospects than I think the Vikings have used throughout their history up until now. And it is going to be completely fascinating to watch unfold as they go through the combine and and start hearing reports out of the combine, what the Vikings are doing compared to other teams and then how they approach free agency in the draft. And I, for one, can't wait. After watching that interview, I thought, man, the Vikings are in good hands. It certainly seems more thorough. Yes. And more detailed. It seems like the approach is a lot more detailed and thorough. The one thing I did like that he mentioned was he did get into the analytics a little, Mm -hmm. but he mentioned it. He wanted to make it really clear that, hey, that's just one part of it. That's just something you observe and you look at. It's not Bible, which I've been preaching for months. You analytic people go too far into it. He made it a point to say, that's just something we use as a reference. Yeah. We don't use it as the bottom line. I thought that was really good. Who talks about running two different defenses? Talking about the 3-4 and the 4-3. 4-3, yep. 
depending on what scheme we're going up against, what team we're going up against, flip-flopping defenses like that. I mean, that's crazy to even think of. Plus, he talked about the relationship with the players. I'm anxious to get going to see what they give me back. The whole approach just really fired me up. If you haven't seen the interview, by all means, go check it out because it's fascinating to hear him discuss football in a way that you are not used to to hearing football discussed. What are we used to hearing, man? We need to play better. When you look at it compared to Spielman, it almost feels like the Vikings under Spielman and Zimmer got into routine. They had their types of guys athletically that they wanted. You know, we want a guy that does a three cone in this time and a 40 in this time and a vertical in this time. And it was all about numbers and who could fit into what defense because Mike Zimmer didn't care what your kind of hopes and dreams were as a football player, which another thing Adolfo Mensa addressed, you know, hey, everybody can play at this league, but what do you want out of this? You know, and that tells me a lot about that person. They were lazy, Ted. Spielman and Zimmer. I, I think they were. I think they did. Say yeah. it. Say it. Say it. Say it. They were lazy ass sad sacks. They were lazy, didn't want to put the time in. They didn't. They want they worried more about collecting the check than putting the time in. Mensa and O'Connell have already put more work into the Vikings than all last season. I would argue the last couple of years they definitely got lazy. I wouldn't say that was the case in the first couple of years of the Zimmer Spielman era. Last two, three years, definitely. Yeah, I I think they got into this routine and this pattern and this is what we're gonna do and deal with it kind of thing. Give her on our fourth round pick. And get yeah. You know what? <laughs> we need that fourth round pick back. We pick 77, which is our third round pick. Mm-hmm. And then we don't pick again for until 155, Ted. That's way too long of a drought. Yeah. And we gave it up for a guy that we sh- <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> but we're talking about wide receivers today. And that's it about Vikings news. So we're going to move on to the wide receiver position. One of the Previous coaches, assistant coaches that were held over was Keenan McCardell, the Vikings wide receiver coach. And I think for good reason. 2021 Minnesota Vikings wide receiver group was a pretty doggone good group when all things were said and done. Throw it up there. Let's take a look at the current group. Here's the Vikings wide receivers on the roster at the end of the year. They had Chad Beebe, Dan Chisina, Justin Jefferson, BC Johnson, who we have kind of forgot about because he tore his ACL in training camp. KJ Osborne, Blake Prohl, Amir Smith-Marset. Adam Thielen, and D.D. Westbrook. And of that group, D.D. Westbrook and Chad Beebe are set to become unrestricted free agents. Do you want Beebe or, or D.D. Westbrook back? What do you call Chad Beebe? Oh, the uh, Fabergé egg? <laughs> you know, I was thinking about Chad Beebe today. We were getting ready for the show. Did you see the movie Unbreakable with Bruce Willis and Samuel oh, L. Jackson? Oh, I think I've seen a part of it. I didn't see the whole thing. An M. Night Shalamalama Ding Dong Bing Bang production? What? Oh, M. Alama Shalaman? M. Night M. Night Shalaman? Yeah. M. Night Shalaman. Yeah. What the hell does that mean? Samuel L. Jackson plays this guy named Mr. Glass. Okay. And I'm thinking this is based off Chad Beebe in real life. Because Mr. Glass, if he sneezes too hard, he breaks a rib. He has some kind of genetic condition where his bones are like brittle. There was one of the movies, I can't remember which one, he was in like one of those carny rides, you know, in the teacups where you spin round and round real fast. <laughs> and he started going too fast and he broke like 20 bones or whatever it was. That's Chad Beebe. I know who I am. I'm not a mistake. 
Chad Beebe is Mr. Glass. I'm so done with that guy. You know, it's ironic. His dad was one of the most toughest football players I ever saw play. Don Beebe was one of the toughest, Tough. grittiest people, football players I ever saw. And his son is like a Fabergé egg. He is, man. The thing that gets me about Chad Beebe, it's not Chad Beebe, but it was the previous staff. They would go on and on and on about Chad Beebe every year. And I never saw it. I never did. He was just a guy. No, he's part of the gloom. <laughs> yes, Chad. Him and Westbrook. I'm not worried about retaining either of those free agents, are you? No. They're going to carry six guys on the roster? I think so. I mean, you've got Justin Jefferson, B.C. Johnson, I would think, has a pretty good shot at making the roster. Uh, I don't know. Healthy. I don't know. Assuming he's healthy, we'll see. I think K.J. Osborne is a lock again. Amir Smith-Marset and Adam Thielen. If you think B.C. Johnson is a guy... That's five right there. I got four. Jefferson, Thielen, Osborne, and Smith-Marset are, are set. The last one is probably going to either be a free agent or a rook dog. That's how I would go about it. And maybe I'm kind of iffy on B.C. Johnson. B.C. Johnson is just a short to intermediate route possession guy. What does he really do that stands out to you? I thought he had the potential to have a season like K.J. Osborne. I'm going to throw this tweet up there from PFF Fantasy Football, K.J. Osborne, quarterbacks had a 147.4 passer rating when he was targeted in the slot position this past season. K.J. Osborne. Best in football. I think at the end of last year, both you and I were just like both Osborne and Johnson. We just wanted nothing to do with. But Osborne made the jump. He did. I know B.C. Johnson got hurt, but Osborne went from just, you know, is he going to do anything to 50 catches? 655 mm -hmm. yards and seven touchdowns. That's a hell of a jump for a wide receiver from a season he didn't do anything. Yeah. I don't see B.C. Johnson doing that. You don't think so? Can't you find another B.C. Johnson pretty easy? At this point in his career, yeah, I think you can. So why bring him back? Well, then let's talk about wide receiver free agent. You can't swing a dead cat without finding a wide receiver <laughs> in free agency come March. That's because that's what the game is all about now. This is a league that's turning into... Where you need like two number ones now. If you look at both teams that played in the Super Bowl, they each had two number ones. That Chase and Boyd. Yeah. And then on the other side, the Rams had OBJ and Cup. And the Vikings have two right now. So let me ask you this. The Vikings have two number one wide receivers in Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Yes. JJ's a given. He's coming back. He's still on his rookie contract. Let's talk about Adam Thielen. He's over 30. He's kind of started to deal with these nagging injuries, missing a couple, three games every year now. It sort of seems to be... More the norm than the exception. Right. He's got a $16 million cap number in 2022. If they cut him, it's $11 million in dead money with $6 million in cap savings. He's 31. Do the Vikings bring back Adam Thielen? Or do they trade him? That is a really tough call for me, Ted. Justin Jefferson is the star. We all know yes. that. He's taking the number one spot. The new regime coming in as a coach. With the game plan for Wes Phillips, you love to have a guy like Adam Thielen involved because he's, he is the guy that's carried over vet now. Just having him out there from a locker room standpoint, it would mean a lot to the Vikings to have him stay with the team. And I hope he can stay with the team. But everything you just mentioned, he is getting dinged up a lot and he's past 30. I, I don't know. I'm like 50-50. I'd hate to lose that guy. He's a great compliment to Justin Jefferson. If you're the Vikings incoming staff, you have to answer this question. Can K.J. Osborne make up for the loss of Adam Thielen? And then can we get a guy that can produce K.J. Osborne numbers? Right. 
if you think the answer to that question is yes, then I could see the Vikings trying to trade Adam Thielen. You know, you talked about that fourth round pick, the Vikings lost in that Chris Herndon trade. I don't know that a, what a 31-year-old wide receiver would get, but I don't think it would be a first or second round pick. To be honest, I have no idea what Adam Thielen could garner. I'm with you. I, I would hope if the Vikings approached Thielen about restructuring, he'd be amenable to it and would do it and would come back, you know, being the native Minnesotan and all that stuff with the new staff. And you look what the Rams offense did and Thielen can stay healthy. The kind of numbers you think he could put up. I'd love to see him back with the Vikings. You know why I'd like to see him back, Ted? Not only because he's a fantastic football player, but some guys get to that point where they're milking for their paycheck. They're doing the bare minimum out there. Mm-hmm. Thielen's not like that. He's Thielen not. goes all out all the time. He's a great teammate. He leaves it all out there in the field, and he busts his ass to make sure he's bringing to the team 100% effort. And yes. I'm all about re-signing a guy like that. And on the other hand, you got guys that, you know, you know the difference. When you get, feel like guys are just milking it, at least you know what kind of effort you're getting with Adam Thielen. You know, you lose Adam Thielen. Something happens to Osborne, then where the hell are you? Yeah. Well, I think it would depend on whether or not the Vikings wait into free agency. I don't want to put the entire list. There's a whole bunch of wide receivers, like we said, but I I wrote down like five guys that I think might be players the Vikings might target. What about you? What do you got, Ted? One of the guys I have is Allen Robinson, late of the Chicago Bears. I know there's a federal law that says the Minnesota Vikings must sign all former Chicago Bears wide receivers. And that was put into effect in like 2001 or 2002 with Dwayne Bates and Bobby Wade. Great Bernard Berrien. Bernard Berrien, Marcus Robinson. Allen Robinson was a dude that I thought was going to make a mark in the NFL. And when the Bears drafted Justin Fields, I thought, oh, here we go. Now he's going to kind of realize his potential. And it just sort of went the opposite direction. If you don't think of him as a number one receiver, and the Vikings wouldn't, I think he's a guy that can be had for fairly cheap on a fairly reasonable contract and can produce some solid numbers. He's like the number one free agent wide receiver out there, though. He's not going to be cheap. You think so? He's got to be up there. He's at least top five, isn't he, in the league? I don't know. I think it depends on how people look at him. You look at his numbers. He really hasn't done much for the Bears when, when the last couple, three years. He's a tremendous possession receiver, runs great routes. I crossed off Robinson, Godwin, Devontae Adams, Will Fuller, and Crowder because I think they're going to try to get some money. One of the reasons I knocked Robinson down is because of those other guys you mentioned, Godwin and Devontae Adams and, and all those other dudes. Free agency happens like this every year. The top guys go in the first wave and they get big, big dollars. And then you've got to kind of got the second tier, third tier guys. When you look at all the other wide receivers on the market, I mean, this is a fat year for wide receivers and free agency. Robinson feels like a, a second or third wave guy to me. I think that guy wants to go be the number one. I mean, he certainly doesn't want to go to Minnesota and get JJ's sloppy seconds, does he? If you're a guy that needs a wide receiver, do you look at Allen Robinson as a number one dude, though? Out of this list, Devontae Adams, Godwin are probably the only two ahead of him, as far as I'd say. Really? You think so? I don't think he's tier two at all. I think he could be the number one on a team. Who else you got? Chris Godwin. He might be too expensive depending on how the Vikings restructure their salary cap. But Godwin could be a number one on any team. I like Jacoby Myers from New England. He's a pretty established guy there with New England. He's a free agent. But he might be demanding top dollar too. I don't, I don't know. What about both the Packer guys? Bring one of those guys in. Yeah, Valdez Scanling. And let's talk about Devontae Adams. You know, the Packers are $8 billion over the cap. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> apparently wants $50 million. They can't sign them both, can they? I don't know. Devontae Adams wants, like, I, I heard 30 or $35 million. Packers might put the franchise tag on Adams. 
I personally think both Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams end up in Green Bay next year. Do you? I'm going to tell you something right now, and you can mark it down, Chances. You can clip it, and you can save it. I'm telling you right now, if they franchise tag Devontae Adams, he will not play for the Packers. Really? I do not think that guy's going to play for the tag in there. I, I don't. You know, with the CBA, though, they don't have a whole lot of leverage if they want to hold out. The only chance they have of, what, Rodgers coming back is if Adams stays. That's going to be a disgruntled team. Fine, do it. Be angry all year. We don't care. Juju Smith-Schuster's a guy that's out there, but he oh. was all of last year. He acts like a dildo. Do you think so? He's a good receiver. Yeah, yeah, he's got the dancing on the logos. We don't need any of that stuff. What are you, a Pop Warner football dancing <laughs> on the logos? Come on, get your head out of your ass. Pull your head out, Juju. <laughs> Alan Page and Carl Eller, before the game, look over and see Brent McClanahan dancing on the team's logo. What would they have done, Ted? They'd have taken McClanahan by the face mask off to the sideline. That's what they would have done. And if it was a 1977, they'd have been still been pissed off that he fumbled in Super Bowl eleven. Yo, oh, don't go! Yo, we gotta get, we gotta go after that Ray Ray McLeod. He's like a Swiss Army knife. That guy, you can line him up anywhere. You can bubble screens, jet sweeps, run him out of the backfield. Ray Ray McLeod, I think he's on the Steelers. I like that guy. Okay, if you're not a Juju guy, and this is a guy that maybe, maybe not, depend based on who the new Vikings coach is, but Odell Beckham Jr. played for the Rams, got traded from Cleveland to the Rams. Won a Super Bowl in L.A., and he tore his ACL in the first half of the Super Bowl. When healthy, I think we, we both would agree Odell's a first-year guy now. He kind of he got his mojo back in L.A. But with his knee injury, do you think that is going to affect his market value and what he might be able to get? Would that make the Vikings, with Kevin O'Connell now the Vikings head coach, a possibility even? The only way it's a possibility is because of the connection with Phillips and, and O'Connell with OBJ. Otherwise, I think the knee injury will be at least a red flag. Some players you have to force feed footballs to, they're going to get angry. You're dealing with all that. He's one of those guys. I think the Vikings want to go null and void in any kind of attitude problem, guys. Could you imagine, though, just just entertain this for a second, a healthy OBJ, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen as your three wide receivers for the Vikings? That would be right up there with Boyd, Higgins, and Jamar Chase. That's that, that's what you need in this day and age of football. Let's face it, Ted. Today's football is all sub packages and three yes. or four wide receivers. Yep. It's not like it was me and you growing up. No. What was it? Three yards and a cloud of. Yeah. It's a lot different than what it used to be. You've got to have at least two, two number one receivers to be competitive, I think. So you got any more wide receivers on your potential free agent list? No, I think that was it. The last spot is either going to be a draft or a free agent guy, but I don't see him spending a lot of money. Now the question is if they have two spots available, if they're going to go with six wide receivers, which I believe they are with O'Connell and you saw the Rams offense. A free agent is definitely a possibility. But so is draft. a couple draft picks. So little drum roll. The Drew Bunning big board for wide receivers. Oh, man. We got a lot going on with these wide receivers. Always the funnest position for me to research, Dad. Why is that? Watching wide receiver tape is a lot better than watching the centers and guards. Let me tell you, man. <laughs> that can get pretty wearing on you if you don't have any alcohol doing the centers and guards. It's a lot easier to find tape. I mean, you can find tape from a number 85 guy on this list. But yeah. uh, it's just always fun. Ever since I saw Percy Harvin's tape in Florida... That's the greatest tape I've ever seen. I, I will maintain the two players in my life that have played for the Minnesota Vikings that I thought could 
break it wide open and score a touchdown every single time they touch the ball were Randy Moss and Percival Harder. Not even going to argue that, Ted. And everybody says, well, what about Adrian Peterson? Adrian Peterson, if he got to the second level, he could break it. But he faced so many eight-man fronts that it felt like he was running into a brick wall a lot of times. And he just didn't have a lot of room to, to get into the open. If he got past that first wave of defenders, he could. But every single time Moss and Harvin touched the ball, I thought, you just kind of went, here we go. But, yeah, we got uh, wide receivers. You know, it's always turning into the spot that gets the most draft picks every year. Two years ago, we had 34 draft picks that were wide receivers in 2020. Last year, there was there was 36 draft picks in 2021 that were wide receivers. That's 70 wide receivers drafted in the last two seasons, last two drafts, I should say. Well, I mean, when you look at the evolution of offense in the NFL, it is mostly three wide receiver sets. I mean, O'Connell said in his introductory press conference, they're going to run three, four, but what 80% of the time they're going to be in a nickel package because yeah, our three, four, may be our base defense, but so many teams run three wide receiver sets or the 11 package, I believe it's called that you have to have a minimum of three quarterbacks on the field. And I'm expecting the same amount this year. I got between 32 and 37 getting drafted overall. We'll get to my top 15 in a second, but last season was five taken in the first round, five taken in the second round, Five taken in the third round, that's 15, and then 21 taken in rounds four through seven, including our very own Amir Smith-Marset, who was taken in the fifth round with pick 157 overall. You cannot have enough wideouts, Ted. He had a 100-yard receiving game late in the year last year. The Vikings have a lot of potential in that wide receiver group, and I, I think they're looking to add more of it this year. 15, 20 years ago, Amir Smith-Marset would have been a top five wideout. I mean, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, it's evolved into there's so many good players like there is this season, but I'm expecting the I'm expecting around 30, 35, 34, 35 guys again being drafted. It's a really good. It's another really good class. I had a great time studying some of these players. We're going to go over it. Matter of fact, let's throw up the the Drew Big Board for wide receivers in 2022 as we get to it. Ted, there it is. And I'm already calling BS because neither. Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave are your number one guy. Yeah. <laughs> but tell me, to, honestly, I don't know a whole lot about Drake London, the USC guy that you have as number Dad, one. Tell me about him. Drake London. As you watch him, you watch the highlights on him, I kept thinking, who the hell does this guy remind you of? You know who he is? He's a faster Plexico Burris. Really? The first thing that stands out when you watch Drake London is his size. He's the tallest guy on my top 15. He's 6'5", 210. Okay, go ahead. Has he shot himself in a nightclub? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. His first name is Drake. So you, never, <laughs> you never quite know. London calling. But when you watch this guy play, Ted, the first thing that jumps out of you is his size. 6'5", 210. And I'll be honest. A lot of 6'5", 210 guys don't make it in the NFL. It's pretty rare. The last guy that was really a superstar, I think, was A.J. Green. He was okay. a big guy, but it's really not the norm that a 6'5 guy that's 210 or higher in weight makes it at the next level. But this guy will because he has a great combination of size and speed. Runs a 4'4'8", five-star athlete ever since high school. How about this? This tells you what kind of receiver Drake London is. Last year, he got hurt on Halloween. So he only got to play eight games, USC. In eight games, he had 88 catches, over 1,000 yards, and seven touchdowns. Wow. 
in eight football games. That is crazy. And another reason he's my number one, easily by far the best red zone talent out of any of these receivers. 50-50 ball, throw it up there. He's going to get it. He does the Calvin Johnson. He's, all the 50-50 balls he catches, he has a great knack for getting open, which is what I liked about Will Fuller. Quarterback's best friend is a receiver who gets open when he's in trouble. And Drake London, he just he's one of those guys. He's born to be a receiver. You can tell when he plays. His natural movements helps his quarterback out. You want to throw it up there and have him go get it. He just is a great football player. The thing you got to worry about with Drake London, really the only red flag he has is that he played mostly in the slot at USC. He's got to be able to play outside, and you got to see how he's going to fit out there. Okay. In outside alignment. All right, so let's talk about, we'll skip Jamison Williams for a second. Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson and, and Chris Olave are kind of a pair because they both played for Ohio State. So let's talk about those two guys, and then we'll come back to Jamison Williams, who also went to Ohio State, couldn't crack Not the starting line, and transferred to Alabama. So technically, two, three, and four. Don't forget are, about Joe Burrow. He went there, too. That's right. Yep, Joe Burrow to Jamison Williams, the greatest connection that never was at Ohio State. We disagree on the Ohio State guys. I got Garrett Wilson, my yeah. number two, and you have a lobby as being a little bit better. Everybody I've seen, and I, I may be wrong with maybe a couple cats and dogs exceptions, but everybody has Garrett Wilson ahead of Chris Olave. Including me. I think a lot of that has to do with Garrett Wilson makes, I don't even want to say this that this is fair because Olave makes big plays too. But when Garrett Wilson makes a play, it's more of a run and catch, and, and his speed kind of pops out at you, maybe more than Chris Olave does. Chris Olave is kind of a sneaky, fast dude, because you look at the bombs he was catching from Justin Fields two years ago, C.J. Stroud this past year, and, and he's fast. And I think he has better hands, and I think he's, of all these guys you've seen, to include Drake London and Jamison Williams and Jahan Dotson, who I'm fairly familiar with too, Chris Olave is probably the most polished route runner of any of these guys in the draft. And I don't think you can say enough about guys coming out that are already really, really good route runners. Look at Justin Jefferson, his rookie year. Look at Stephon Diggs, his rookie year, just as using a couple of Minnesota Vikings as examples. I think people put are putting more stock in, in Wilson's flashiness. I'm trying to find a good word because, and I'm not saying Wilson is a one-trick pony, I'm just saying Olave's a little bit better of a route runner. I think he has better hands. Garrett Wilson would drop some just maddeningly frustrating balls that, that seem very catchable, and Olave just seems to have better hands. So overall, yeah, Garrett Wilson's a, a faster dude. In space, you put Garrett Wilson in space, and I think he's going to be an exceptional dude in the slot. You give him those short crossing routes, give him a ball with a five-yard head start on a defensive back in open space, and he's going to kill you. Indefensible. But I, I think overall, I think Olave is just a little bit better of a route runner and a, a little bit better of a prospect. That's why. Man, you should be doing these breakdowns, not me. Those are the only two guys I know. You get you have to all these other dudes. I'll add this to the Olave route running thing that you just went off of. You know what makes it exceptional for him? And you just mentioned route running. There's a different level. He runs these like creative, really savvy kind of tricky routes. Yeah. If you notice on tape, you'll like get the corner twisted around and then he'll do the juke in and out like the old Dwight Clark used to pull for the Niners with Montana. He's mm -hmm. a very tricky route runner. He's probably the best route runner in this draft. I think so, yeah. The reason I got Wilson above him is for the yak yards and his availability out of the slot. Yeah. Garrett Wilson is probably the best slot receiver in this draft. That's something I should have given Wilson credit to. I think he'll be more used in the slot in the NFL, but he's good in the slot and on the outside, and Olave's more of an outside guy. Yes, exactly. That's basically the difference. Ted, 
Garrett Wilson is going to get drafted by, if he gets drafted by a team that has a high volume passing offense that uses the slot a lot, that guy's going to catch 120 passes. I'd buy that. Yeah, I would buy that. Look at Cooper Cup with the Rams. I, Garrett Wilson could be that guy for a team, I think. Whoever gets him gets a day one. Whoever gets either of these guys, day one starter from the beginning. Another reason I put him slightly ahead of Olave, I don't think Olave is very physical, Ted. He doesn't look like he's very physical when, he, when he's getting the yak yards. And I think Wilson is a little bit more wanting to get in the grind over, okay. the, over the middle. I think, it, I don't know, you probably know better than I. You watch all the Ohio State games. Wilson seems a little bit more physical after the catch than Olave does. I think that's because Olave gets better separation from his guy than Wilson does. But, but that's just me. Olave, 38 games. 175 catches, 2,700 yards, and 35 touchdowns. Are you freaking kidding me? I mean, Ohio State had three dudes go over 1,000 yards this past year. Man, it's hard to see what guys on the field at the same time. It's hard to think they, wouldn't, they didn't win the – at least make it the playoff. Some, some team must have knocked them out. Wolverines! Shut up! Wolverines! <laughs> Wolverines! Wolverines! <laughs> Both very, very, very good players, and they're gonna. Both of them are gonna start week one. You don't have to do any sitting on the sidelines with these guys. They're ready to play. Tell me about Jamison Williams, former Ohio State dude that transferred to Alabama. Fastest guy out of my top fifteen, Ted. How about a four-two-five forty? This guy is crazy good. Did start with Ohio State, transferred to Alabama. Six-two-one eighty-nine. The guy has just got superstar written all over him, man. Number one in the SEC in yards, 1,500. Catch average, 20 yards a catch, and 15 touchdowns. Number one in all those categories in the SEC, which is a top conference to be stacking cheese in. SEC championship game against Georgia had seven catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns, and he had the injury. He can really stretch the field. He's another natural runner. Looks like Will Fuller when he's out there, finds the open zones. He is really good yards after catch. That's the guy you want with the ball in his hands, Jameson Williams. I just think he's more of a natural receiver. That's why I have him in number three. Did you knock him down behind Drake London and Garrett Wilson because of his injury, or do you think he's legit, good, solid spot at number three? I knocked him down to number three only because of one reason. I didn't see a lot of footage of him against press coverage, and I'm a big evaluator. If you can't beat press coverage, you're going to Laquan Dreadwell. And I didn't see enough footage on him beating the press coverage to send him any higher than what I think he might have a little bit of a problem with it. If he has a problem with the press coverage, he's probably going to wash out. But overall, this guy is an incredible talent, man. I loved watching the tape on that guy. I mean, he almost like scores every time he touches it. Let's finish out your top five and your first or first or second round guys with Traylon Burks from Arkansas, Arkansas. Trying to be the first wide receiver since 2005 to get drafted in the first round is Traylon Burks from Arkansas. From Arkansas. I mean, I got him right on the fringe. I got the first four we already talked about. They're all going, maybe in the first 20. I got Burks going late 20s or maybe early second. I hope he makes it. 6'3", 225. This guy, I don't want to say it. He's the, he's the same exact mold, but he's the Debo Samuel of this draft. Really? You can line Traylon Burks up anywhere, Ted. Outside the numbers, in the slot, in the backfield, bubble screen, jet sweep, run him. Throw the ball, screens, anything, all over the place. This dude is crazy to watch. High school, 3,400 yards and 43 touchdowns. Wow, terrible. Debo maybe runs a little tougher, and maybe he's a little shiftier, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more elusive. But Burks is the guy. If you want a guy, you can just, you know, O'Connell wants to put him anywhere. 
he would grab this guy. So then why did you knock him down below these other guys? Because the other guys are just more talented. So the versatility you think won't count for something like and get him into maybe the, the teens? The only red flag I saw in Burks is he's got the drops he's Ted once in a while. Oh, oh. And that, that kind of had to drop him back from the other four elite guys that I had ahead of him. That is something that he can fix at the next level. But his deep route, the way he runs the deep routes, you know, one of those guys where when they get the football in their hands, they just, you know, they're going to get an extra 10 yards. That's mm-hmm. what it's like. Okay. Always pushing forward. 66 catches, 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns last year. Rushed 14 times for 122 and another touchdown. Besides the drop passes, I don't think there's any other red flags with Traylon Burks. What about some of your other guys? Your number 15 guy you have in Romeo Dubes going no later than the Romeo Dubs going no later than the fourth round. Tell me about some of these other guys. Romeo Dubs, 80 catches, 1,109 yards, 11 touchdowns. And the thing that thing you gotta know about Dubs. He's really dialed in with Carson Strong. The yep. team that takes Strong might want to lean towards getting Romeo. Not to be confused with the great Romeo Void, Ted, a band <laughs> we knew growing up. Or Romeo Cornell. You don't want to get him mixed up with Romeo Cornell or Romeo Void. Or Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Carson, Carson, wherefore art thou, Carson? That's damn good. That is damn good. But somebody that takes Carson Strong may want to take a flyer on dubs later because you're already ahead of the game. You bring in a guy that's caught 200 passes or whatever from the, yeah. from the quarterback coming in if Carson Strong was going to play. I got a couple guys, the Vikings, I have on the Vikings list. Who do you got? Dotson from Penn State, tremendous receiver. David Bell and George Pickens. But the guys I'd really like the Vikings to concentrate on, there's a guy named Sky Moore from Western Michigan, Ted. 5'10", 195. The short to intermediate routes, this guy catches everything. He catches everything. His hands are like glue. He's a step up from BC Johnson. Sky Moore, second fastest on my top 15, Ted. Before three, flat. Well, 95 catches, 1,292 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Super Damn. production at Western Michigan. The team Michigan beats up every year, but we won't get into that. Well, the team Michigan should beat up every year. This is what I like about Sky Moore and the reason the Vikings got to get him. He was the third best in college football and only had four dropped passes and 125 targets. No kidding. That's impressive. That is impressive. So that's why he got me on the Viking alert. Not much of a blocker. Super athletic guy, though. That's one guy I want to mention. The other one was guy number 14 on my list, Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. 6'3", runs a 4'39". He's got good size. 36 games last season playing with Desmond Ritter. We talked about him last week. 36 games last season, 52 catches, 884 yards, eight touchdowns. He's more of a boomer bust guy. Okay. But when I watch Alec Pierce, I see a lot of Jordy Nelson. If he's coached right and he gets into the right system, he'll be a great value for whoever gets the guy. I hate to say it, but Jordy Nelson was a heck of a receiver for Green Bay for several years. And the guy reminds me, the way he runs his routes, the yeah. way he, the way he uh, uses his hands to catch the ball and not his body all the time. Mm-hmm. He does struggle against the corners of the press guys getting off the press coverage there at Cincinnati. So, with all these guys you have mentioned, let me ask you this. Will the Vikings draft a wide receiver in the first round? Uh, it depends. If, if Thielen's not here, I would definitely think about taking one of these guys in the first round. Who, if not the first round, and we're assuming London, Wilson, Williams, and Olave, and Traylon Burks. If not those guys, name the one guy left on your list that you... Would love to see the Vikings draft in the second, third, or fourth round. Wandale Robinson. Wandale Robinson from Kentucky. That guy is badass, Ted. 
incredible yards after catch guy. That's the guy you want with the ball. Probably the best on this whole list. Get this, man. Get for production. 104 catches at, <laughs> at Kentucky. 104 catches, 1,300 yards, seven touchdowns. Second best receiver in the entire SEC. Guy can do it all. He can even run back some kicks for you. Wandale Robinson is a definite sleeper mid-round the Vikings should take a look at. That would probably be the guy I'd take. Either him or Sky Moore. I really like Sky Moore. I think the Vikings are going to keep Adam Thielen. Everybody's thinking the Vikings are going to get a cornerback or a linebacker, and those all make sense, but Mike Zimmer isn't here anymore. I truly believe that Quasio Dofomensa and Kevin O'Connell, when it's all said and done and you put all their formulas and analytics in the transmogrifier machine, they consult <laughs> the Council on Analytics, as our good friend Nick Olson mentioned one day when he was on with us the other day or last month, whatever it was. I think they're going to go best player available. And when you get to 12, I look at the Cincinnati Bengals last year. They had a chance when they were on the clock, they had either Jamar Chase or there was an offensive lineman that uh, most everybody had mocked to them. Penesul, draft experts thought Penesul was a smart choice. They took Jamar Chase and they went to the Super Bowl. If they take Penesul, Joe Burrow ain't getting sacked 70 times, but they ain't going to the Super Bowl either. Right. I honestly, truly believe. I go back to 1998 as well. Randy Moss, the Vikings had 2,000-yard receivers in, in Jake Reed and Chris Carter. They took Randy Moss and that offense was on fire for the entire year. And so when you look at kind of those two backdrops, wide receiver makes a lot of sense. I would think of those five guys that you had. Chris Olave would probably be the dude that is still on the board at 12. I think Drake London is a top five guy. Garrett Wilson feels like a top five guy. Williams, a top 10 guy. And, and again, it all depends on how the draft sort of plays out. But it would not surprise me one bit if the, if the Vikings went wide receiver at 12 and took one of those four dudes. And I would be perfectly fine with it. A lot of people have a lobby ranked even higher than I got him. So he might be the first receiver gone. When you look at the four on my big board, any one of those guys could be the top guy taken. Any yes. one of them. I believe so. Yes, I, be, I agree. All equal percentages cut right down, all equally. London, Wilson, Williams, Olave, they could all be the first wide receiver taken. That's how I see it. The point is, if you don't take one of those top guys at 12, you're not getting any of those guys. There's going to be 10 gone in the first two rounds. I'm kind of intrigued that you would do that. Knowing we have the problems at corner. I might be in the minority on this, but I would kind of be fired up about it, to be quite honest. It would be a bold move. I'm more sold on it now that you listened to you the last 10 minutes than I was before that. I thought there's no way they're taking a wide receiver at 12. I want to get a special shout-out to number 13, Justin Ross from Clemson. Okay. He's a guy that had that spinal injury in 2020. He's okay. A hell of a comeback to get yeah. where he's at. I would like to see that guy not only get drafted, but shred in the NFL because he deserves it. He's put in a lot of hard work. You know, hard work is how you get on the Drew Big Board. And I wanted to give a shout-out to Justin Ross tonight. All right, that'll do it for our positional review this week. We're going to take a quick commercial break and come back and do our trivia and wrap up the show. Do you have those reports ready? Have you ordered lunch yet? Christy, that was due today. What's taking you so long? What are you even doing? What's the whole Per my previous email. Did you see this? How come you have a reply? I sent this minutes ago. No response? Need a boost? Better mood, better focus. Red Dawn. There's good reason for my glistening skin and how I shine 
and how my pores are so clean and clear. I eat little baby's ice cream. It keeps me young. It keeps me light on my feet. I spring from activity to activity. I love my job. I love my life. When you eat little baby's ice cream, you'll wink and nod and hug and high-five each other with great enthusiasm. This is a special time. Little baby's ice cream. Ice cream is a feeling. Welcome to Toots' Trivia. How are you guys doing? Good, Toots. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Today, we are going to play Password, and the theme is words or phrases that are associated with the NFL Combine. All right, Drew, you have two minutes to get Ted to say seven words, and your time starts now. When you go to the gym, you're going there to work out. All right, that's one. Uh, second. I'm going to put a hole in this wall, so I'm going to use my gun, my nail gun, my uh, stopwatch. My... Dennis, Dennis, put it in your mouth. Dennis. Drill. Yeah. Drill. Uh, third is, before you become a, oh, wait, 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 um, when you're looking for gold, you're an old, what do they call those old guys looking for gold? Miner. Uh, no. Oh, uh, prospector. Prospect. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Uh, not the s- small Drew thing but the big board right right okay um this is when somebody's good at something you say they have mad skills <laughs> yeah baby not down but up up rising up, up. okay the next, the next word up and then what you get in school a b c d or g uh upgrade yeah and then the last is where they have the where do they have the combine indianapolis more specific it- uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah! You got it. All right. Good deal. I got it. You did really good that time. That was really good. He got it with lousy ass clues I was giving him. <laughs> no, they were really good clues. Good Excellent. job. Excellent. All right, Ted, your turn. You have two minutes starting now. Uh, Challenger, Discovery, Space. Station. No, the vehicle. Shuttle. There you go. Um, when you jump straight up and down, it's going high jump. No, vertical. There you go. Um, these these guys go out and they they um, uh, are looking at players um, to potentially draft. What uh, the act of scouting? There you go. Um, and every team has these every year, and they're prioritized. Our top blank is hookers. No, is quarterback or running back or oh, I got position. I got I got wants and got what want and needs. There you go. Um, this happens every year. We're going to be live the the NFL draft. There you go. Um, what NFL thinking, draft. What about they're thinking? What they're thinking about doing with Kirk Cousins? Not not cut or release, but kill. No. <laughs> um, to release or resign. Swap him for different players or draft picks. It's called a trade. What? There trade. you go. 
And then if you just get rid of everybody, take it down to the foundation and start over and say, rebuild. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. Oh, we did it. Good job, guys. We will see you next week. Thanks for playing. Wolverines! <laughs> See Thomas Howe's Pony Boy. Oh. What a great show. This is fun tonight. Thank you for everybody tuning in. All right. That'll put a bow on episode 54. Like Drew said, thanks for watching. Thanks for subscribing. We're over 7,000 subscribers. Can you believe that? Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. That's amazing. For like just a year into this, we got 7,000 subscribers. We get a ton of comments every week. Thank you for commenting. Don't forget, we are going to be doing a live show right after free agency kicks off, either on the 16th or 17th, that Wednesday or Thursday. We will let you know exactly when that's going to happen. That's coming up in a week. We'll let you know on our next show. Thank you, Drew, for for doing all all the stuff you do for the show. Ruby, thanks for making us look smart. Your editing skills are, are unmatched. And man, buddy, 54 episodes. Take us home. 54 episodes, Little Red Dawn tonight, Patrick Swayze. Jennifer Gray, thank you all for being here. Ted, simply awesome job. It was great talking uh, wide receivers with you, too. Toonsis, thank you for running that awesome trivia. And thank you mostly to everybody tuning in. Watch and subscribe to our show and ring the bell and do all that stuff because it's fun. And you know what else is fun? In about a week and a half, we're going to have a live show. And if you've never been involved in the Ted Glover, Christopher Gates, and Drew Bunting live show, we got prizes. We got fun. We got stories. We had to have a good time. We're going to talk free agents. So we got a lot coming up. Episode 54 is in the books. We will see you next time. Next week, we are doing the tight end group. We'll have a lot to cover, and we hope you all join us again. Say good night, Ted. Good night, Ted. Wolverine! Bump, bump! <laughs> <laughs>